Hi, I'm Chris Fillmore, and you're listening to Talking Blues. Here's something I've never asked you. Is Chris Fillmore your real name, or is that a stage name? It's an artist's name, so not my real name. But, you know, it is my real name in a sense, but it's kind of complicated. <laughs> But but there's another but there's another name in my passport. Let's put it that way. Okay, so <laughs> what did you? What, why did you decide to have a stage name? Actually, it wasn't my idea. It it came from <laughs> a, a, a drummer we I had we played with uh, many many years ago, and the story is this: we we were at his place and we were listening to a, a Chuck Berry record, Life at the Fillmore. Right. And there was a blues jam on this record called the Fillmore Blues and. I really liked the tune so much and one day he came to rehearsals and call, started calling me Chris Fillmore and kind of stuck with me. That's the way it happened. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Yeah, kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So how, what's the situation like in Vienna right now? Well, I guess like every, everywhere else, we, we had a lockdown, but they... It's it's getting better now, so now we're allowed to to go outside again. But we have to to wear masks and and all this, you know. And but we're allowed to meet a few people again, and we weren't for the last few weeks. But it's it seems like it's getting better. Austria pretty well got closed down very quickly, right? I mean, they, they yes. took care of business very quickly. Yes, very quickly. Yeah. They they did a good job on this. Yes, and, and I know you. You're constantly on the road. Were you affected by it? Like, were you on the road when this happened? Well, we, we were supposed to go on the road, and then the lockdown came and all the gigs got cancelled. So we didn't play that much this year. Like, only two shows in, in January, February. That's, that's all. Wow. And I presume you had a busy summer schedule. Yeah. Yeah, there were <laughs> quite, a, quite a few gigs, but... Um, we, we'll have a tour in, in, in September and October, so we're looking forward to this now. So tell me how you first got into music. Well, how did I get into music? Actually, well, I should ask you before that, did you did you always live in Vienna? Is that where you're from? No, I'm not from Vienna. Um, actually, I'm from a small town in, in Upper Austria, it's called. It's, it's more countryside compared to Vienna. <laughs> How big of a how big of a town? Like twenty thousand people. Okay. And it's 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 on the it's on the border to Germany. So. So what was it like growing up in a small town? Well, it was great actually. I mean, I have good memories about growing up there, and there were was always a good music scene, and that that's where I got all the roots, and you know. So How did that happen? Give me an example. Well, first of all, let's start with my family because music was like always like an old family tradition. My my parents always were into music. They played themselves, not mm -hmm. not professionally, but there was always music around, and and they were playing guitar and singing at home, you know. And what kind of music would that be? Well, you know, like old rock and roll and blues and 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 German uh, oh, okay. Schlager, what they call it, like from the fifties and sixties. So, like, cool, good music. I grew up with really good music. This was maybe the first big inspiration for me. And and my uncle, who was a kind of guitar legend in this little town, <laughs> was also a big hero of mine when I was a kid. And yeah, and then I met other people, musicians there, me and Mina actually, and they were all a little older, and they were great influences for me. So when did you, when did you pick up the guitar? I picked up the guitar when I was 12 years old, and before that I played drums. Actually, I played, started playing drums when I was like eight years old. This was my first instrument. What made me just switch to the guitar? I think the main reason was 
my when I was 12 years old, my parents got divorced and and we left the house, my sister, my mother and I, and my drum set was left behind, you know, at my father's place. And my mama always had a, an acoustic guitar and this, this guitar always stood in the corner and someday I just picked it up and I don't know, started playing guitar. Maybe that's, that, that's the main reason. Can I ask you what song you might have learned at first? Do oh, do I remember? I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking of one song actually, but, but it's a, it was a German Schlager song in the 60s from Traffy Deutsch. I don't think you, you, you'll know it. It's called Marmorstein Mama, and Eisenbricht. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> the German listeners will, will know it. And, and then did that come easy to you, playing the guitar or picking up the guitar? Yeah, I think so, because... I don't know. Let me think of it. It's, it's quite a while ago. <laughs> All I remember is... I guess so. <laughs> every, every time when I came home from school, I, I, I locked myself up in my room and put on some old rec blues records and, and picked up the guitar and, you know, checked out the licks and started playing. Like, doom, 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 doom. <laughs> That's how you start. And yeah, it just went from there. So blues was... At the very beginning, yes, yes, blues was the first first thing I started playing with. Yeah, wow. Well, because, as I said before, my my uncle Charlie, he was a big influence, and he he also played the blues and. And then I've uh, heard of Jeff Healy. This was um, when Jeff Healy came on the scene, like in eighty eight, eighty nine, right. when he released his first record, See the Light. I heard this record and I was blown away. I remember the Blue Jean Blues, his version of the Blue Jean Blues. Yeah, yeah, great song. Yeah, amazing. And this was like a huge inspiration for me. I remember sitting on a stool and putting my guitar on the lap and just pretending like <laughs> playing like Jeff, you know. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. How, had you seen him play just to know that, to know to play he, it on your lap? Yes, because I got a, a VHS tape, tape later on um, of his concert in London, I think. It's like an, the only official release. It's, it's, it's from the very first tour, I think. This blew me away. Did you have any success learning how to play the guitar on your lap? Well, I can play a few chords, but not, <laughs> not really playing properly, you know, just fooling around but not really well I yeah because I would imagine what makes him somewhat better not better but what makes him unique is the fact that he plays the guitar that way sure and and the way he plays lead and the, the way he does his chords sure so and he could the sound he, that he gets yeah and he could use all of his fingers all five of them you know like we can only use four like or, right yeah Jeff was amazing. He he was a big, big, big influence when I was younger and when I started out. And then came Stevie Ray. Then I heard Stevie Ray and yeah, Jeff and Stevie Ray, this was my, my, my two masters, you know, <laughs> heroes. So at the, at that point in your life, and, and how old would you be at this point? Yeah, like 12. Okay, so at what point did you think this this is what you wanted to do to be a musician it's also a good question a lot of people ask me this I don't know it's it's like it was always a, a feeling I had inside of me uh, I, I later on I had a few jobs you know <laughs> for very right. sh for a very short time actually and I don't know I, I always wanted to make music and then later on when I met Mina and we started a band and everything just happened, you know, and then we moved to Vienna and I didn't have a job here because I had to quit my old job, of course, when I moved here. And I, I had a job here for one month, but then we played a concert and I got the same money for f playing a gig for 45 minutes like working for one month 
And then I thought, okay, that's what I want to do. And yeah, always, it was always inside of me, I think. It's hard to answer, actually. But did you, were you in a lot of bands when you were growing up? Um, not a lot. I, I had a, a, a band when we still were in school when I played the drums with two other buddies from my school. We were like, yeah, 12 years, 10, 12 years old. This, right. was, this was my first band called The Babies. <laughs> and we had, <laughs> we had one or two gigs, I think. And then I actually f- kind of started forming my own band, like the Fillmore Blues Band was it called back then with a few guys and yeah we just jammed around and played you know Stevie Ray tunes and old 70s rock tunes or Hendrix and stuff like this that, that's that's how it started and then I met Mina and because we had no singer in this band it was just instrumental and then I met Mina in school and I knew she was singing and invited her to to a jam session someday, and yeah, that's how it all started. How old were you then? Like 15, 16. Okay. Mm. And did she have a great voice back then as well? Yeah, I think yeah, I think so. <laughs> Unique. <laughs> she was she was screaming a lot, <laughs> <laughs> but but she had that she she had the unique vibe. I don't know, like. Like a Janis Joplin vibe, I don't know. Right. Mm. So was it always blues? Like, could you have gone rock? <clears throat> it was always like, uh, yeah. Blues was always the the basic, you know. I mean, we we played rock songs as well, but you know, it's so close. It's yeah. I don't know, but it was always that kind of music. Yeah. Tell me about the scene in in Austria, like. Were there a lot of blues bands there? But what was the music scene like when you started? When I started, well, in this little town, there were a few bands who were an inspiration. There was, um, especially this one band called Ten Years Too Late, and they played all, just cover songs mostly, and but all this old 60s, 70s stuff like Hendrix and, I don't know, you know, all the classics. Yeah. And this was very inspiring for me. And and there were other bands. And, and then we met uh, a dear friend of ours called uh, King Size Neudel. <laughs> and he, he, he was like a... And still is like a, a mentor in, in music for us. Because he he's also into blues, but also in this old country thing. And, you know, like real roots music and I really learned a lot from him when you why did you move to Vienna did you think that to have gigs or to be a musician that you would have to be in Vienna well I guess the main reason at that time was a girl (laughs) surprise 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 yes um She's a, she was also from uh, the same little town where I came from, but she, she already lived in Vienna. And and we came together, and then one day I decided I, I'll move there too. And But it was also not important for for the music, of course, because in, in Vienna is a much bigger scene, of course, you know. Mm. Tell me about going to the big city. Like, was that a big adjustment to move to Vienna? Or not so much? Yes, I had to adjust a little because, you know, like a, when you come from from the country, a little country boy in the big city. But actually, I fit in pretty, pretty quick, pretty well. And the other thing is, about two months later, Mina also moved to Vienna. And so I had a good connection here, you know, and we started a new band or with new uh, backing musicians. And so I was still busy. So if we go back to that point when you started the new band in Vienna, what were your goals then? Did you have goals for the band? Uh, yeah, sure. But maybe it's important to 
to tell that um, there was a, a lady, Susanne Frostel, she worked for an agency and she heard us before we moved here. She heard us on a festival and she worked for a pretty big agency here in Austria and she liked us and she took care of us and this was also very important here because we had a, like a, a little base here, you know. Mm-hmm. And she started working with us and like getting us a name, putting us on different festivals and, and, and things. So, yeah, we wanted to become, we wanted to make it an, uh, a name, you know. Right. So, and make a living. <laughs> and would that be, like when you think about and say, okay, we want, we want to make a living doing this, do you automatically think within Austria, or do you because you, Europe is so not closed in, but because the countries are so accessible, do you automatically think, okay, to make a name and make a living, we want to make sure we play all these other countries? Sure, but you know, it's it's not that easy because you you need all these connections and the background, like agencies or or record labels in the best case. And right. I don't know. We we moved here in two thousand and five. And yeah, formed this new band and, and, and did our thing here in, in Vienna and Austria, basically. And then in 2009, uh, Mina met Thomas Roof and he, he heard her and he wanted to sign her for his record label. And he did. And that's when things really changed, you know, because then we became like international we could go outside oh so before that you were pretty well playing in austria only yeah a few exceptions but mostly in austria we played a few gigs in germany or or one thing in 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 poland i think if i'm correct i don't know but mostly in in austria yes and and so when you played in other places whether it be then or after you met thomas roof um what did, what was that experience like? What did you learn from playing in different countries? Well, um, maybe the main thing was that the audience was kind of different, or the the reactions. Were they very open to you? It seemed like they were more open, like here uh, when you in your hometown. <laughs> it's always kind of the hardest thing, maybe, to play your hometown. Or, yeah, I don't know. But it seemed like they they were more open on welcomed us more because yes as I said before when you come home it's always the toughest thing or at home <laughs> is it still that way I have to say it changed when we got that record deal with with uh, roof records um, different uh, or certain people started to treat us differently they all of a sudden they were nice to us you know <laughs> and before that they kind of ignored us <laughs> And then we got the record deal, and yeah, we were like we were something special. And I remember this was pretty strange. I remember that because I, I thought, okay, this is that's how business runs <laughs> or goes. Well, it's weird. I mean, because you're now you're no different, right? Exactly, exactly. Yeah, it was a it was a good lesson, you know. I, I guess. And then so then then with Ruff, you started touring all over Europe, right? We we did the first record and right they set up the first tour and uh, yeah mostly Germany and uh, Netherlands Switzerland like like these places Denmark Finland so yeah that must be cool it was very cool yeah <laughs> but was it was it as good as you thought or was it how do I explain that? Because you don't you don't know, and you obviously go in with certain expectations. Was your expectations met? Did it surprise you at all? Uh, yeah, you know, it, it's exciting because all of a sudden you you're like the star <laughs> in yeah. a in a way compared to before, and yeah, you go all these places and and you come into town and there's a poster hanging. I don't know, beside the streets <laughs> with your name on it. And, and I don't know, people welcomed us very, um, 
we always got a very warm welcome, like right. li- like we were stars, you know. This was a kind of <laughs> funny, but um, new, a new experience. Did, did that change you at all? I don't think so. I, I hope it didn't because... <laughs> Because <laughs> but it must be weird when people, you know, awesomely treat you differently. It is a weird experience. It definitely is. But, you know, um, how can I say this? You just realize, um, I don't know, how people are and, and all of, uh, what's important to them. But as you said before, you, you're not, not anybody different. But now you like uh, more famous people person and all of a sudden they they treat you better it's like not very truthful do you do you know what i mean it was it was a a real experience sorry for my english but you know no 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 (laughs) i'm no it must be weird like i can't like you know because you've been working hard and you're really not any different than you were before right but it's and then all of a sudden people treating you differently yes like like i'm something better now and yeah this was a, a weird experience but does, does that get to your head i don't think so it, it was just a good lesson to learn for life in general because um you you get to know people better or understand them better you know how how we all work <laughs> or how we all um go through life and like li- like that yeah so you did three, three or four albums with Roof. Uh, three albums with with Roof Records or Roof, as you call them. Yeah, three studio records. And then what happened? After that, yeah, yeah, we had a contract that was set up for three records, and when this was done, we were kind of, we had no, no more record label, but uh, we decided to put out a new record and. That's when we released uh, the In Concert live album in 2017. And we found a, a record label in, in the Netherlands called Continental Records. And that's where we released it. But it was a, a whole different deal, like with Roof. There was no contract in a way. It was like right. we just gave them the, the master tapes. And they they released the album, you know, which was much easier. In, in a, well, I in can a way. imagine. But okay, so when you when when you you said that when you first started with Ruff, things changed, yes, and then definitely. You, know, you started touring all over Europe. Yes, um, I presume that many years later, after three albums, you had basically built up a certain following in other countries. Right. It it was always like we were always like going up. You know, it was always. Uh, we got to know better or more people got to know us and it was always like going up and but then after we we quit with Roof we were like how can I say we had no no other company that was taking care of us or like a management or something like this so this made it like a little bit complicated and yeah, we, and now actually it's still the, the way it is. We we are still looking for for people who would like to support us in a business way. In the same way that when you first started with Ruff, that things changed, yes. and then you were you have did things change again when you were no longer with them, or by that time were you established enough that I mean that wasn't the case. We we established ourselves in a certain way, of course, but I I often think th- um, if we would still be with Ralph or another record label in that uh, of that size, maybe we, we 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 would do a little bit better because, as I said, I mean we have agencies here in Austria, Germany, and and Netherlands, right, but. But that's not enough. It's, it's really hard to like going to new countries or you know or, or all the promotion because the record label does so much for you, and now you have to do it all by yourself and it makes it really yeah. much much harder. And there are so many other bands, and so 
I don't know. Sounds like I'm complaining a little much, but <laughs> but it's a little bit tough for the last uh, one or two years. So let's let's see. Well, when I look at your schedule, you seem to be still busy. Uh, you know, excluding the most recent changes, but yes, like we, last year, the year before. Yes, we 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 still are busy. It's true, but you know, when you're doing this for like ten years now, you. One thing you you don't want to do things you did ten years before because you think okay I worked ten years um, something must have happened. <laughs> right. How important? Yeah. How important was it? I know you played in the states. Yeah. Like you, did you not play in Omaha or somewhere? Like right. Yeah. A few right. places. Yeah. So. Um, how important was playing in the states for you? Was I, I have a feeling we had this conversation many years ago and I I got the impression it wasn't that important. Personally, it was very important, and also, like business-wise, I mean, um, it was the first time that we got invited for a gig to the States. This was in 2012, because in 2009, when we were the first time in the States, we only uh, recorded the, the first record there at Jim Gaines' studio, where we met you know, the first time. Yeah, yeah. But we had no live uh, shows. And in 2012, they invited us to Omaha to play the Playing With Fire Festival. And this was a, a big thing for us. I mean, they <laughs> invited us for like three weeks, paid all <laughs> the hotel. And really? Yeah. It was amazing. And that's when I really felt like a star because they treated us like stars <laughs> it was it was really amazing and you know playing a big festival in the States <clears throat> and getting a good reception was really really fantastic and and we did it again the, the next year in 2013 they invited us back because they enjoyed it so much and I think that's the last time when we were in the States, in 2013. We also did uh, the International Blues Challenge the same year. And you guys did well in that, did you not? Yeah, it was also a great experience. Um, and we didn't make it to the finals, just for... We missed it for one point, they told us. <laughs> but anyway, it was a great experience, yeah. <clears throat> Tell me about that experience. Tell me what, what that was like. It was um, it was the reaction of the the people, the audience, and also the the volunteers that were working for the for the IBC. Everybody mm -hmm. told us, "Wow, you guys are amazing," and etc. And I also remember when we didn't make the finals, one of the volunteers came to us and told us he he can't believe. <laughs> That we didn't make it and blah blah blah, and it's all politics because European band, bands can't make it or can't win the IBC. That's what he, they told us. I don't know. Just only Americans can, or I don't know. And but another great memory is that we uh, one afternoon we went to Graceland, and there was a bus driver who was driving the people to to the house. You know employee of Great Graceland and he stopped when he saw us and pulled down his window and said hey you guys were great last night <laughs> and this oh, is a nice. yeah this was a uh, great memories yeah <laughs> okay we we have to now that you brought up Graceland I mean we we should mention that you have a certain love and respect for Elvis Presley I think so <laughs> and I'm surprised you didn't even mention that when when you know, when we were talking about getting into music and you mentioned Jeff Healy and you didn't mention Elvis. Yeah, yeah. Where El does Elvis come into your life? Yeah, Elvis actually came before Jeff and Stevie Ray. Yeah. Right. Okay. He, it was when I was eight years old. The funny was thing it is, the movies. No, it was his fiftieth uh, birthday, and I. That's why I remember the the exact day when it happened. You know, it was January the eighth, nineteen eighty five, and I was eight years old. And I remember, I woke up one morning and I went downstairs to the living room, 
and the radio was on and they played his music all day because it was his 50th birthday and but I didn't knew him at that time right and my mother told me later that this is Elvis but anyway I just heard that music and I was fascinated and I put a, I remember I put it a, a, a tape in the cassette recorder and recorded the whole day the radio shows and that's when my mama then told me yeah this guy's name is Elvis blah 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 and yeah that's how it started and um, a neighbor of ours he brought me his Elvis records and I played them all day and then I got posters and you know <laughs> all that <laughs> so this was my really first big experience when I heard that music coming out of the speakers this something hit me I don't know that feeling you know? yeah well I remember when we met did you not go to his birthplace right recording with Jim Gaines right yeah when you did the yeah. rather go blind video this that's when yeah. that's when I had a day off that's when I went to Tupelo exactly yeah and if I'm not mistaken you drove me back to Memphis and I think we, <laughs> did we not stop at the hospital in Memphis where Elvis oh. died or something like that was it there was some some Elvis connection on our trip back could be yeah <laughs> I don't remember exactly but it could be <laughs> yeah so that that fascination with Elvis still exists with you very strongly today um yes it does and it, it also changed in a way because you know when you're a kid you just I don't know hear the music and like it or like it not but I don't know I try to explain it to you, my or I try to explain my deep connection with Elvis. Um, well, this is always a, a challenge for me. <laughs> but let's put it this way. <laughs> this may sound a little weird now, but um, dealing with Elvis, the man, the icon, or, or the legend, wasn't is a, a very spiritual journey for me. Mm -hmm. It uh, it changed my life in a way. It taught me so much for my own personal life uh, as well for the business I'm in um, well like Bruce Springsteen once said uh, Elvis is uh, my religion <laughs> and I know exactly what he means by that you know so what, the, what, what does that mean to if you were to explain to me like would you, would you listen to Elvis on a regular basis are you playing Elvis songs a lot like what does that mean Nowadays, no, it, it, I mean, uh, yes, I, I, I listen regularly to Elvis, of course, um, but, but it's much more like the music, you know, it's, it's, it's this, um, it's this whole experience with his uh, life story, and I'm really studying this, this man's story for like 20 years or more, you know, reading books and everything. And it's really a fascinating, fascinating, unique story. And as I said before, it's it's always uh, hard to explain that thing, but um, it's a spiritual thing. It started with the music, but became much more. It's um, I learned so so many things, like with dealing with the Elvis story. I, I, may sound weird I know but El Elvis is like a Jesus like fig figure to me <laughs> right maybe Bruce Springsteen can explain it better to you than I can but you have to ask <laughs> <laughs> <coughs> yeah but, but learning the Elvis story just um, gave me a lot of answers to life's questions you know I hope this makes any sense this well I don't know if it needs to make any sense to anybody else you know what I mean? Like, if it means that much to you, then true. But so many—that's the thing. That sure, but many people always ask me that question, and I always want to like to explain what it is. But it's so difficult. It's it's like a, a huge inspiration for me, for so many things, and that's that's why it is how it is. I guess. Ha has he ever disappointed you, Elvis? Yeah, yeah like in learning sure. and going deep into it. Sure. Of course, there are moments, 
there are moments when you think, hey, man, what's wrong with you? <laughs> or why didn't you do this? Or why did you do that? Yeah. I don't know. But... Yes. So it's not like you put him up on a pedestal and everything he did was amazing. No, no. No, no. No way. Um, it's a combination of all of that, you know? And this gives you the final result. And this is really... Uh, I mean, his, his life is, um, and actually the way it ended, is uh, very touching and also very sad. And it... Mm -hmm. And it's like a reflection of, of, of our society in a way, or how we live, or how we treat things and people. And does it make sense? <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and you've met some people who were connected to Elvis, right? I've met a few, and I'm also connected uh, on the internet with a few people, like... Um, his ex-girlfriend um, Linda Thompson. We we, in a, we have we have a good friendship and which, which is amazing. Yeah. So, but all this happened <clears throat> in a like normal way. I never pushed it. You know, it just yeah just came to me in a way. Well, I think that's pretty cool. It is. It is pretty cool. So, if we get back to your music, tell me about. You know, from the time that I saw you, which was, what, 11 years ago, right. how have you gotten better as a musician? I don't know about getting better, but, you know, it's all about experience, I think. And mm -hmm. and when we met, we just started out in a way. So I often think I wish we could go back to, to James' studio and do another record now because we matured a lot, I think, because all the experience you make, on the road and also in the studios and so so on. We were like uh, little kids <laughs> when when we met in in a way. But yeah, yeah. Tell me what that experience meant to you. Not not meeting me, but <laughs> working with Jim Keynes. This was uh, I don't know, like a dream coming true. When I I remember when I got the message or the news that we go to Memphis. And record with Jim Gaines. This was everything came together, you know. Memphis, my Elvis connection. <laughs> yeah. Jim Gaines, my Steve, who recorded Stevie Ray Vaughan and so many other great heroes. It was surreal in a way. And finally, when we when we uh, went there and did a rec the session, it was just great. I mean. Jim welcomed us and treated us like we he had known us for years and we had such a good time and he enjoyed it that's what he told us and I think he really did enjoy it yeah because I also know he had some other sessions which he didn't enjoy that much <laughs> <laughs> did you did it meet your expectations like I, I can't imagine, you know, like a, when you get that call and you say you're going to be working with Jim Gaines, you're going to go to Memphis, blah blah blah. Yeah. Like it's huge. And so, how do you keep yourself under control? Well, uh, you know what I mean. In the studio, you mean, or yeah, yeah, or or just in your mind, thinking, you know, what is going to happen? How are things going to go? this is so cool and then you get there and oftentimes when you have expectations it's hard to meet it is uh, I don't know maybe I didn't have too too much expectations I, I'm not sure the reason they called me was this first of all I wasn't invited for the session because Mina was invited to do her uh, debut album for Roof Records right and Thomas didn't want me there at first or had no need for me because they you know right. Jim uses his own musicians and he also and pretty good ones too right amazing <laughs> and he also had the plan to to invite a lot of guest guitar players like um, Eric Sardinas Coco Montoya to right. to promote the, the record which was a cool idea right. But Mina said, no, Chris has to be on that record as well. So finally they, f they uh, booked me a flight and I got there. And I was supposed to do like a 
rhythm guitar or something like this on four tracks. This was the plan. And finally... How, how did that make you feel? Well, I was happy I could go there, but of course it's you ask yourself, okay, what, what's going on here? Or right. What, what's Which is not that unusual, right? I mean, this happens <clears throat> all the time. Exactly. And... I don't know. Um, I, maybe I could complain now about Thomas for doing things like that, but but I won't because in the end I'm thankful because he brought me there, and mm -hmm. you know that's uh, this will be another conversation. <laughs> <laughs> but but you wound up doing more than that though, right? Uh, I ended up playing all 12 tracks on this record. That's, yeah. that's how it went, yeah. Because Jim was so, he really liked my playing and he said it was so easy and it, it contributed so much for the songs. That's why he wanted me on all tracks. And I also got some, some solo parts and, and things. So this was then a, a great experience because somebody like Jim Gaines tells me, hey man, I want you. <laughs> This made me yeah. feel good, of course, gave me a lot of confidence. And the whole experience working with him was, was, was so important because, I mean, he's a, a genius in the studio. He's so comfortable and makes you feel comfortable, and yeah. which was so important. And Well, this is what I remember. Yeah. So we made that, um, we made that video together mm -hmm. in the studio. And then at one point we had to do the lead. And I said, can you replicate that? And he said, yeah, for sure. Like it was like a no-brainer. Okay. And, and, and through experience, it's not always easy for somebody to replicate a guitar solo. Right. Yeah, I remember. You know? I remember, yeah. And I, I remember you just saying, no, no, not a problem at all. And, and I just thought, really? Because <laughs> I've done videos. And it's not, it's, it's not always that simple and you, it was seamless for you so I was really impressed by that okay. I was also impressed because when we did that song Steve Potts the amazing drummer mm. I, I think I only had two cameras or something so I couldn't shoot him in the drum booth so after you recorded the song I went back and said Steve would you mind playing that beat again so I could include it in the video yeah. he said no problem and I said, do we need playback? And he said, no, no, I don't need it. <laughs> and it just, he just played it. And it was just like perfect. Yeah. So, you know, that's yeah. that's what I learned from working with great musicians. <laughs> yeah, Steve, wow, great memories, great drama. You know, yeah. you know what's amazing? Uh, uh, quite a while ago, uh, I was uh, watching YouTube and uh, I don't know, what, what's the guy's name? I don't know, a soul singer from Memphis. And he played at the, the, a, a concert at the White House for Obama. Okay. You know, there are some concerts yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. And they're playing there, and then I look uh, at the dr drummer, and it's Steve behind the drums. <laughs> so <laughs> this was really a nice surprise. <laughs> I, re yeah. I remember that. Amazing. Yeah, what a drummer. So what now? What happens now? What what have you gone through in the last six weeks or so with, with this pandemic? Well, actually, I spend all my time at home. I'm lucky right. because I live in a house with a garden. So I can sit outside in the sun all day. This was really important because all the people in, in apartments nowadays, I mean, wow, must be my freak out you know <laughs> it's really for sure amazing so yeah that's what i did basically i, I did some work in the garden and <laughs> things like that so, which was pre pretty cool because i had the time for it and i i got a good suntan in the meanwhile so <laughs> <laughs> i was enjoying life basically because it was it's it's weird because in a way, I, I enjoyed this time because everything was so quiet, you know, the whole life or on the streets, no cars, no airplanes, yeah, uh, no people. It was really quiet. It was a, 
a good a good vibe in the air in a way that's that's what I enjoyed did you play a lot of guitar uh, no I didn't play that much guitar but I played my piano I got a piano in uh, January February and oh. I played a lot of on, on the piano yeah but now it's out of tune again so are you good at the piano no I'm not really good um, <laughs> was this for writing songs I'm just fooling around you know I can play four chords which is enough for like playing a few slow songs and melodies right and and that's what I do I, I do this for many many years um, and actually this also goes back to Elvis he inspired me to sit down at the piano and play piano because Elvis also played a little bit of piano right um, he, he he was no expert like like me, but he could he could sit down and play a song and sing it, you know. And I remember quite a while ago they released the uh, home recordings of him, and this was really an inspiration for me. And that's when I got my first piano, like twenty years ago. That's when I started. So Elvis was my inspiration to play a little piano as well <laughs> so if I said if I named you any Elvis tune would you know it like are you deep into the catalog I think so yeah <laughs> would you able to play it um not not all the songs maybe because uh, some of them are kind of really complicated especially then later on in the 70s but yeah. but I guess most of them I could I could fake him, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so you said that you have a tour planned in September, October. Right. Um, how do you look at? How are you? How do you think this time has changed you? Um, it's also a good question because uh, yesterday uh, we had a a video recording for for a gig, like like a promotion video. For a gig in right. in in, in uh, November. That's all when I met Mina again and and Angus, our bass player. It's it's for a trio thing. Right. But anyway, this was the first time when I went outside uh, and took the the U-Bahn, the, the 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 railway, the train. Yeah. Into the city because I'm I'm living uh, on the outskirts of town now. And I and I went in town, and it was like a little bit overwhelming. All all those people, and you know, in the train you have wear, wear the the mask, and it was pretty hard. Yeah. And I don't know, it was kind of weird. So I have to get used to that <laughs> again, uh, to social life in a way. I just recognized it, um, but I, I think it's it will go fast, you know. But it's just. Yeah, for sure. It's an adjustment. Like it's amazing how quickly we change and get used to this. Right, right. Yeah. You know, and and now the thought of going into a restaurant is just like, oh, mm. we used to eat. We used to have buffets. <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah. It's really strange. Um, also, like shaking hands or things like that. Yeah. You know, it's, it's so crazy. And then, so are you worried about the future, or are you? <clears throat> are, do you think it'll just go back to normal? I'm worried. I'm not too much worried um, that I will have no job anymore. But I don't know. For for artists, it's really a tough time because you know there's no no gigs, no income, and also yeah, it depends how things will will continue in 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 the future. I don't know if it's possible to play gigs again like we did it all the time <laughs> I don't know yeah. what, 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 what their plans are the government's plans or anywhere it's hard to tell or how people will react if if they li are too afraid to go to concerts or if they yeah. don't care I, 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 I really don't know if it goes back to normal as we knew it and so when you think that how do you respond to that or what, what do you think do you think okay do I need to do something else or no, not yet. <laughs> not, Good. Um, what what gives me like 
what gives me confidence is maybe for for us musicians it's it's not that new like it is for somebody else who's working in the company because we are kind of used to that um, lifestyle you know like you don't know what will happen next month or in two months we we live right. it's like a norm more normal thing for us do you know what i mean yeah we, we don't have that regular income like anybody else who's working in a company or right so but once again you've been working pretty hard over the last 10 years yeah we, we were it is a hard work of course but yeah I, I just wanted to say that we are kind of more used to to it to to be flexible let's put it that way yeah and and maybe the the, the big goal for us is what's the word I can't find the English word I'm I'm my own boss so I can so it's up to me if I can earn some money or not uh, yeah you know what I mean yeah so Mina and I, we have to figure something out how we can do this, like anybody else of our colleagues. But it's a tough time, and it's 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 just you, you don't know what the future will bring, and this this is kind of weird in a way. But I stay po- positive. But I get the impression you're more like an optimist. You're more a positive person. Uh, I try to. <laughs> <laughs> I try to. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I'd like to to stay positive. Um, Chris, it's been a real pleasure. I, you know, we, we met like eleven years ago, and and you, I was very impressed by you. You left an impression on me. I always thought it would be neat to be able to interview you someday. And thank you. This opportunity has finally come up, so I appreciate you doing this. Yeah, I appreciate you you ask me. Let me ask you one final question. Tell me, what's the greatest thing you've learned from music? The greatest thing I've learned from music. I don't know. I can make it pathetic, put it down to one word <laughs> and say love. But you know, it, you meet so many people and great people and you learn so much for life. It's just an extraordinary journey to be able to do this. And I don't know. It is true. Like it's crazy that you do meet a lot of people. Yeah, you touch a lot of people with your music. Yeah, you. Uh, I don't know, love for people. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you, Michael, for having me. I hope I could give you some proper answers to your questions. <laughs> <laughs> of course you did. <laughs> thank you for doing this. Thank you, Michael. Appreciate it. All right. Take care. Take care, man. Mm-hmm.